SF City Insider, a San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Trisha Thadani, a City Hall reporter at the Chronicle. My colleague Dom Fracosta and I spoke to the leading candidates in each district race up for grabs in November. This episode, we spoke to District 4 candidate Gordon Marr. Marr is a longtime labor activist in the city who has a broad coalition of support from the building and labor trade groups. But his critics say he might be too far to the left and worry how he'll clash with Mayor London Breed. All right, Gordon Marr, thanks for being with us today in the City Hall press room. Um, So we're going to start off by giving you 60 seconds to do your elevator pitch. Three, two, one, go. Yeah, my name is Gordon Marr. I'm running for the Board of Supervisors in District 4 to uh, ensure that the Sunset District in San Francisco remain Um, places where working families, seniors, and and people from all walks of life are able to live, to work, to raise a family, and to retire with dignity now and into the future. It's also why I've been working on these issues as a nonprofit executive director and a community leader for over 25 years. Um, I started out organizing immigrant families in Chinatown as executive director of the Chinese Progressive Association, where I led efforts to improve living and working conditions in the community. I've served as director of the Northern California Citizenship Project um, to foster um, civic participation of immigrant communities regionally. Um, and over the last eight years, I've, been, I've served as executive director of Jobs of Justice, where I've led efforts to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour to create the nation's first ever Retail Workers' Bill of Rights. I was a leader in the campaign to save City College from closure and to make it tuition-free for everyone. And I also have ex- eh. expanded access to Time's up. services. Yeah, sorry. It's hard. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah. All right. That, that was pretty good, though. You fit a lot yeah. of it in. Um, okay, so first question. Um, so people in San Francisco, they often go to places in D4, like Ocean Beach, to get away from, like, the hubbub of the rest of the city. Um, and it's seen as very, like, family-oriented, this nice, quiet place that's insulated from a lot of the other troubles um, that we see in other parts of the city, like D6, for example. What are the issues there? Like, what do you hear voters are concerned about in D4? It's interesting because I, I work in the Tenderloin at the mm-hmm. Hotel Workers Union Hall. So I'm kind of in, in at ground zero of a lot of the the big sort of social problems that are facing the city from homelessness to um, income inequality. Mm-hmm. And um, um, but then when I go home, you know, when, when I ride the L car, Terravel to go back home, you know, it does seem like a whole nother world out in the sunset. Yeah, it's a but, pretty big contrast. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do think um, just under the surface, you know, in our sort of suburbs in the city, Sunset District, you know, a lot of the big issues that are that are impacting the overall city are also facing the sunset. Homelessness, you know, we've seen an increase in the homeless population in our neighborhood. Um, the Sunset District and District 4 had, has always had the lowest number of homeless um, in, in the point in time count that the city does. Mm-hmm. But we've, we've, we've definitely anecdotally, I think, seen a, an increase over the past year. I think some of that is due to the the sweeping of the encampments and the get tough on the homeless approach that the city's taken mm. in, in the mission and civic center. And it really hasn't housed homeless people, but it's just pushed them out to, to other neighborhoods like the Sunset District. Do you know numbers on like, I um, know that the homelessness count comes yeah, out once a yeah. year, but what are those? Um, the, well, the last count I know was in 2017 was 31 homeless mm-hmm. in District 4. What was it the year before? Um, actually, I don't know the number be- before, but mm-hmm. um, but now, you know, we expect the number to be higher or for the next count that mm. I think is coming up either at the end of this year. Um, so there's, so there's a growing homeless population. You know, we've also seen increase in, in property crime and car break-ins in the Sunset District, anecdotally again. Um, and um, and even housing affordability is an issue. You know, um, you know that's a big issue. That one of the big issues in the city over the last decade, and, and in the Sunset District, that's also an issue. Even for homeowners like myself, and, and the, the Sunset's a you know majority homeowner district. 
Um, I think there's big concerns about whether my, my daughter and her friends and, and, and the children in the Sunset District in our city are going to be able to afford to live in the city that they're being raised in. I want to read you something from your campaign website, Gordon, um, where you say uh, there are immense opportunities for housing that's affordable in San Francisco, including in the sunset. Uh, where are some of those housing opportunities in, in your district, and, and how do you keep those affordable? Well, I, I think that we, we absolutely need to expand housing our housing stock in San Francisco to meet the demand. And I know, um, like I say, with the Central Soma plan the, moving forward here and to be approved um, this fall at, at, here at City Hall, that's projected to, to create 35,000 new jobs in, in the Soma area, but only 7,000 new housing units. So, um, so that's that's a pretty extreme imbalance in, in jobs and housing that that's going to exacerbate, you know, um, our housing affordability crisis unless we greatly expand our housing stock. Um, in the and I and so we need to do that citywide and actually regionally as well. But in the in the Sunset District, I'm committed to to exploring ways that we can do it that are appropriate for the the character of our neighborhood, which is mostly single family homes. How do you define like appropriate for the character? Yeah. So I, there's there's several several um, proposals that I have that you know that I think would be appropriate in terms to expand housing housing density and the housing stock in the Sunset District. So the first one, it, it's accessory dwelling units or in-law units. And I know there's already been work that's happened here at City Hall to s- streamline the process to, um, for homeowners to add an, um, an accessory dwelling unit. I would like to, to take that a step further, but but actually that hasn't really resulted in very many new in-law units being brought onto the market um, citywide and especially in the Sunset District. So I would like to take that a step further and create financial incentives for homeowners to do that, which I think um, would be a win for the homeowner, you know, adding value to their property, it would be a win for tenants because it would be a new rental unit that's affordable, and it would be a win for the city, I think, because it's a it's a less costly way and a quicker way to add um, rental rental units than new construction of an apartment building. How much new development? How, how much new housing development do you think voters in in the sunset would be willing to tolerate, knowing mm-hmm. what what some of the predilections are there, what some what some of the preferences are there, or, or at least what they're supposed to be? You know, maybe uh, uh, some of those claims are overblown, but how much how much housing there are, are folks willing to to put up with? I actually believe that the 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 sort of NIMBY um, attitudes of the Sunset District and the West Side, which you know I'm well aware of. I've lived there for 13 years. We moved there to raise my daughter and and enjoy the sort of quiet suburb, suburbs and city lifestyle. Those have softened over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, as an example, um, there's a the first affordable housing project for specifically for teachers and other, other school workers is moving forward um, in the outer Sunset District now, and it has pretty strong support from the neighbors and the community. Yet 20 years ago, there was a very similar project that was proposed at a different site in the Sunset District, in the park side, that was strongly opposed by the neighbors, and, and, it, and it didn't move forward. So I think that's an example of, of if there's housing that's built um, that um, that is for a particular um, 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 category of workers, in this case teachers or, or, or other people that, um, that the community feels like needs housing, then um, there, there's going to be some more support for it now mm-hmm. than there was in the past because of the severity of the housing affordability crisis. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see that educator housing project that's going up on 43rd and Judah be replicated at other um, publicly owned sites in the Sunset District. I've I- identified four where there's potential opportunities. To, where to are those four? They're all um, they're school district properties okay. that are not being used for classroom instruction right now, but mm-hmm. for offices. So I feel like they could be 
we could replicate the educator housing project, but also consider having the new ho- affordable housing be for families with children in the school district. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was gonna, I was going to ask what what changed that mindset, but you said you yeah. think it's just the severity of how bad this housing crisis has gotten around the whole city. I think so. Yeah, and again. You know, I have a daughter, she's in middle school right now, mm-hmm. and I'm very concerned about her and her friends and, and whether they're going to be able to, li- you know, to live in the city you mm-hmm. know, as adults, given the housing affordability crisis. And I think that's a common feeling among a lot of my, my neighbors and, and other Sunset District residents that are homeowners. It might be housing secure for the moment for themselves, mm-hmm. but it's for the future generations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So speaking of building things in mm-hmm. D4, um, so the, the mayor's office is constantly looking for more plots of land to build a navigation mm-hmm. center on. I mean, do you think that the D4, that D4 residents would tolerate one in their neighborhoods? Um, I, I think from my conversations you know, with, with D4 residents and my neighbors about the homeless, how to best address the, the growing homeless population in our neighborhood, there's pretty mixed feelings about it, whether a navigation, navigation center would be appropriate or not. From my, my perspective, um, even though the numbers of, of the homeless population you know, seems to have increased significantly in the last year, I still don't think it's, it's a large enough population to merit um, a navigation center mm-hmm. um, from a fiscal perspective. Um, I would li- actually like to see um, more of like a mobile service, um, a mobile, yeah, um, homeless like mobile service unit um, in the Sunset District where there could be similar um, services that are provided at a navigation center in terms of access to showers and, and restrooms and and, ac- and referrals to to ho- supportive housing and social services, mm-hmm. but not not having it be um, at a permanent site. Mm-hmm. So mobile housing or mobile homeless oh. services as in what? Like what does that what does that look like? Um, you know that, that's that's something I would like to explore. You know mm-hmm. with with you know Jeff Krasitsky and his team and 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 the city. I think that that would be an alternative to having a permanent um, navigation center. Again, given the fact that the numbers, even though they've gone up, I don't think merit something like mm-hmm. a navigation center at this time. Yeah. So essentially, something that could like come in during the day, yes. give people these services, but then yeah, leave. Yeah. So where would these people sleep? Um, anecdotally, I think we see in the Sunset District a lot of the newer homeless population are living in vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. RVs and and vans. Um, along the Great Highway and along Lincoln. So um, the city's homeless um, strategies need to sort of um, look at that new trend of, of more of the homeless populations as, as a tent encampments have been been sort of swept and, and, and there's been stronger um, efforts to, to prevent tent encampments. We see more people living in, in vehicles, including in the Sunset District. Like, for example, I think what... what um, the approach that is happening in District 11 right now with Supervisor Safai, where where there's an effort just to push um, a, um, homeless people living in, in vehicles on a certain street in his district off that street is not it's not a comprehensive solution because it's just going to push they're just going to move to another street you know in the district or in a different district. So we need a more comprehensive solution um, to address the the growing population of homeless living in vehicles. One of your competitors in the race, uh, Jessica, Jessica Ho, uh, moved back to San Francisco in March. Now, even though, of course, she has ties to the district, mm-hmm. do you feel like she's an interloper? Um, I don't, I'm not sure if interloper would be the term I would use. I, I do question whether she's qualified to represent the Sunset District, um, given her, her, her lack of experience in, in our neighborhood and in our city. 
and um, um, and ask the question whether she has the experience to deal with the big issues you know here at City Hall that the Board of Supervisors need to address um, for the same reasons. So when you say you worry she doesn't have the experience to be able to run the district, what what do you have in return? Mm-hmm. Like what what experience have you yeah. gained that would make you qualified to run this district? Well, I you know I think that's that's one of the the strengths of my um, you know what what I bring to the table is my decades of experience as a nonprofit executive director and a community leader in the city on issues of importance to working people, mm-hmm. to students, seniors, and families. So I think that that's really important, you know, um, and and not just the the accomplishments that I've achieved in terms of, you know, my role in the, in the campaign to to save City College from closure and mm-hmm. make it tuition free. What was your role in that? Um, I helped to convene the coalition, the community coalition, mm-hmm. you know, that that worked, yeah, on on the multi year campaign um, to to support the college, you know, in the accreditation struggle, um, and then. I also work closely with Supervisor Jane Kim and her office and, and the coalition on the free on the on the, the policy proposal to, to make City College free, both the legislation that we passed here at the Board of Supervisors, as well as a revenue measure, which was Proposition, proposition W on the mm-hmm. two, 2016 November ballot. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now it's time for the lightning round. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the first piece of legislation you'd like to sponsor as a supervisor? Legislation that would. Um, um, create a sunset community plan that would be a comprehensive plan, community-driven plan for the future of, of our neighborhood that includes housing development, improvements to the transit infrastructure, strengthening our, our commercial corridors, and, and also our open spaces and parks. One of the uh, most closely watched uh, ballot measures on the coming uh, November slate, um, I think it's Proposition C. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you fall on that one? I support Proposition C because I, it, it's the biggest... Or, or, or the biggest um, and best sort of proposal right now to, to really address uh, the homeless crisis that the city's facing. And I think, um, you know, it, it'll house thousands of, of people that are currently living on the streets and, and also provide <laughs> um, needed um, substance abuse and mental health services. Mm-hmm. And Prop 10, the one that would repeal Casa Hawkins, what's your stance on that? I support Prop 10 because mm-hmm. I think um, it would restore local control over our um, rent stabilization laws. We don't need Sacramento telling us what we can or can't do um, on on these important policy decisions. How do you feel about being considered a progressive candidate in the race? I don't think that those political labels are relevant to most of my neighbors and Sunset District residents. Those are more, you know, political insider um, labels that are used here, you know, by the the press and, and, and the political groups. I think the Sunset District residents just want a supervisor that they can trust, you know, has the experience and, and the capabilities to represent their district um, effectively. Mm-hmm. And the most difficult question of the mm-hmm. lot, and this is the most gotcha question we have, what do you do for fun? <laughs> um, <laughs> so you sweat there a little bit. Yeah. It's my family. I mean, that's mm. that's why I moved You've to the Sunset District. You have one daughter. Yes. Okay. And so just hanging out with my family. Um, that's it. Yeah. And that, that's been the case mm-hmm. for, for many, many years. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for yeah. coming and joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, you guys. This show is a part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. It was produced by me, Dom Fercasa. For more City Hall coverage, visit sfchronicle.com.